0: How you doing, Mac fam? Good. All right. Guess what month this is? Oh, look at y'all. Y'all woke. All right. So, what we'll be doing uh, for the next four weeks is we're gonna have um, just a series of black history moments. And um, for you who may not be aware, and pretty much everybody are, uh, um Really, Black History is a time. Black History Month is a time to um, give recognition to African Americans who, oftentimes, we don't really get uh, credit for our impact to society and to this nation. And so, we take time to just learn about our impact on the arts and entertainment, and as medicine and um, theology as well as technology. And so I would just encourage you over the month to just really spend time uh, just getting familiar with all of our heritage. Amen. Because the beautiful thing about black history, oftentimes you hear scholars say that you can't uh, you can't talk about black church history without talking about American history. You can't tell the story of civil rights and the story of the abolition of slavery without telling the story of the black church and so what I want to do is really spend time in this series focusing on the faith that has been handed down to us by the enslaved Africans who came to this country in bondage. Oftentimes we hear about a lot of great men and women who did a lot of wonderful things to secure our freedoms and our rights but I want to take time to really pay homage to the enslaved African. And I I use that word, enslaved African, to kind of give us a way for just referring to them as slave, because they didn't go to Africa to get slaves. They went over to Africa to get Africans. And so slavery is not our identity. Africa was our identity. Amen? So also what we'll be doing during these next four weeks is we're going to be singing what is called the Black National Anthem. Real quick, who knows what that is? (laughs) Yell it. Lift every voice and sing. And so what I want to do is kind of set up why we'll be singing that hymn as well as what's going to be happening the next couple of weeks. And so I just want to first start off with uh, a slide. Uh, Lift every voice and sing was written by James um, Weldon Johnson and his brother and there's a picture of them up front and I have this little write-up that was uh, given to me by uh, Pastor Leon so I want to give him credit for his research and it says lift every voice and sing was written as a poem James Weldon Johnson for a celebration of Abraham Lincoln's birthday in 1900. In the early 1900s, singing this song became a way for African-Americans to demonstrate their patriotism and hope for the future. And calling for earth and heaven to ring with the harmonies of liberty, they could speak out subtly against racism and Jim Crow laws, and especially the huge number of lynchings accompanying the rise of the Ku Klux Klan at the turn of the century. In 1919, the NAACP adopted the song as the Negro National Anthem. By the 1920s, copies of Lift Every Voice and Sing could be found in black, often Baptist churches across the country. In the 1970s, this song experienced a revival with the Civil Rights Movement. It resonates strongly as a Christian hymn because it is a song about exodus. It is a story of a journey sanctified by faith and protected and prospered by God. For African-Americans, the civil rights movement was their exodus story. Segregation, disenfranchisement, and racism were their Egypt. And this song was inspired for the journey. And this came from a history of African-American artist Harry Henderson. And what I want to kind of just spend a brief moment discussing is this ideal of the exodus in the history of the African-American. You know, when we, were bo- when we were first brought over here in bondage, Christianity wasn't something that was presented to us, and I don't think it would have been something that we would have accepted. In fact, the first hundred years of bondage, there was no talk of Christ or God on the plantation, And partly because plantation owners didn't want to evangelize their slaves because they understood that with the Bible came a message of liberation and freedom. And they understood if they slave their slave would have converted, then they would have had to treat them as brothers. But the beautiful thing is a man that we serve a mighty God and man's wickedness cannot stop what he intends to do. And so during the Great Awakening, we begin to hear this story. We heard this story about an exodus. And that story of the exodus began to open up the hearts and soul of the enslaved because they begin to see their story inside of this narrative. And I have a—if um, we pull up the next slide— A quote from uh, Robert Roboto in his uh, book, Slave Religion, it says the slaves prayed for the future day of deliverance to come and they kept hope alive by incorporating as part of their mythic past, the Old Testament exodus of Israel out of slavery. The appropriation of the exodus story was for the slaves, a way of articulating their sense of historical identity as a people. That identity was also based, of course, upon their common heritage of enslavement. The Christian slaves applied the Exodus story whose end they knew to their own experience of slavery, which have not intended. And so this Exodus narrative for the enslaved African was a game changer because in the story they found their identity, they realized that, okay, God is on the side of the oppressed and not the oppressor. In it, they saw a God that was actively involved in uh, their well-being, in their, their care, and who was willing to work on their behalf to free them from the bondage of slavery. So they saw God as powerful. They saw God as loving. And if this powerful, loving God who has historically been on the side of the ho- oppressed and marginalized, love them, then they must have value, dignity, and worth. And so this Exodus narrative really was the foundation of the black church and what is called black theology. And that black theology is us as a people wrestling with who is God in our context. And so the foundations that we see even here in Mac Ave, as we desire to go out into the community, as we decide, uh, as we preach a gospel that does not only have spiritual implications, but also social implications, that faith and that understanding of the word and of the gospel started not in the 1960s, but it started in the 1700s. It started on... The plantation. It started with a group of African men and women who began to pray and call on the name of the Lord. And one of the things I want to do is throughout this series, oftentimes, again, we quote a lot of great African Americans, but I want to take time to also bring our beloved, our beloved ancestors into the mix. And I want you to hear from them. And I'm going to quote a sister named Polly. How many of you ever heard of Polly? Yeah, you know, she was simply what a lot of people would say. She was a slave. But she had a powerful testimony. And here she is preaching the word to her master, to her mistress. And Polly said to her mistress, we poor creatures have need to believe in God. For, it, for if God Almighty will not be good to us someday, why were we born? When I heard of his delivering of his people from the bondage, I know it means the poor African. The amount of theology and hope and faith and the understanding of what redemption and deliverance was, to me, it's just astounding that from a, a small narrative, they came to understand who God was. And again, this was a beautiful bridge to understand who Christ was. Because in Christ, they saw a suffering Savior who life paralleled their own. And this led them to embrace that Savior, not only... To see him as someone that could save them from the bondage of their oppression, but also the bondage of their sins. To see that this Savior not only will reconcile men to one another, but reconcile them to the Father. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you because we stand here as a testimony of your faith. Lord, Sister Polly referred to herself as a poor African, but yet we stand here because of their rich faith, their faith in you, their hope in you. And Lord, I pray that we would this month just take time to reflect back on what you have done in our community, what you have done in your church, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we will be a prophetic voice, just like Sister Polly, into our community, and Lord, we pray that um, as this African, um, as this Black History Month moves, Lord, we pray that we would just, um, man, be encouraged about what you have done, and then that would spur us on to continue the mighty work that you have already started. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and may you and you alone receive all the glory. Amen.